0: The volunteer hosts of The Radiator are dedicated to creating unique, high-quality, local community radio. To do that, we need your help. Consider donating online at bigheavyworld.com donate to help sustain your favorite station. The Radiator is a project of Big Heavy World, a volunteer-run nonprofit dedicated to uplifting local artists and the Vermont community. We all thank you for your support. And welcome to Abstract, a show dedicated to abstract ideas discussed amidst ever-changing tunes. I'm your host, Abby BK, and with me today is Ross. Hi, Abby. Hi, Ross. How are you doing?
1: This is really weird being in the second chair. I'm almost nervous. I don't know what to do with myself.
0: <laughs> well, well, I'm sure we'll <laughs> get through it together. And you're a natural on air, so I feel like you have nothing to be worried about. I'm not
1: too worried. It just feels weird to be over here not being not be in charge of stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you are in charge of the music, so you have a bit of free reign today. But to get started, I really enjoyed the last episode, as we all know, Bob was on. And I feel like I really enjoyed getting the time to kind of chat with him about his beginnings of his involvement at Big Heavy World. Because as much as I know both of you at this point from working here and volunteering here, I feel like I haven't actually gotten the full story of the beginnings of your time here. So what led you to being involved in radio here and station management particularly?
1: Uh, Let's see. My involvement here goes back to 2010 or so. Um, I was in between jobs and I wanted to get back into radio. I've been doing radio since 2003 or so um, when I was in college. And I wanted to get back into it and um, I found while searching for radio positions and things like that in the area, I happened to find the radiator. And um, I sat down with Jim and Lee uh, f- for a little bit, and we talked about, you know, the, the radiator and the, their rules and things. Um, and off I went. Um, and probably, I don't know, maybe a year later, um, I wound up taking... Uh, taking charge of the um, radiator DJ training um, when the person who was previously doing that left for Chicago, I think. Um, And I happened to be either the sucker that fell into the job or um, the best person for it. Jim would have to tell you which one (laughs) it was. Uh, I don't really know. Um, But I've been doing the the DJ onboarding and and training and such like that for um, most of the time that I've been here. Um, And then last year, (laughs) was it the end of last year when um, Jim relocated to Arizona, um, I sort of took on uh, some more of the the day-to-day management here in terms of um, DJ scheduling Um, and DJ photos and schedule management and program management and things like that.
0: All the responsibilities.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a little weird.
0: (laughs) Well, you're doing a great job, and Ross was the one that trained me to use the station, so, I mean, you all can evaluate the way that I use it based on him.
1: Hopefully, nobody sucks. (laughs) Nobody, nobody Nobody can suck at it any worse than I suck at it because... I've trained everyone who is currently on the schedule.
0: There you go. So you obviously do a show here as well. So do you want to take us through what your show is? And I really want to get down to the bottom of the name.
1: Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, my show is, uh, is something I started back in college. Um, it morphed out of uh, my discovery of live music and my joy... Um, The show is called Bootleggers Beware. Um, We air here on the radiator on Saturdays from 10 to 1. Um, The show got started almost, God, 20 years ago now. um, Born out of my love for live music. Um, I got bit by some sort of bug um, when I discovered bootleg recordings. um, Bootlegs being uh, unreleased usually pirate recorded live recordings of concerts um and that's kind of where the name came from uh and it's stuck i've debated changing it a few times and everyone every time i bring that up somebody has said don't do that so i don't do that anymore i don't even bring it up um and so that's that's kind of where that came from and it has given me the the uh the Ability to share music that I find. Otherwise, I'm just an uh, Obsessive hoarder of the music that I collect Um, And this feels like it gives me a good outlet to share the music that I find that I enjoy Um, and To do something that I enjoy just being on the radio.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting so I didn't actually know the terminology of bootleg and every time that I hear your show, I just imagine you as, like, the coolest pirate. That's uh, what I always think, like a bootlegger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, bootlegs. Obviously,
0: I knew about your your show and the live music aspect, but I didn't know that terminology. So that makes a lot more sense in my brain. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm so
1: glad we could clear that up. Glad
0: we could clear that up for me and whoever is listening. Um, but so for the first song that I think we should play, let's choose one. You can choose whichever one you want that you think is related to bootleggers, Beware, in Uh, a certain way. And you can describe what you think that influence is. All right.
1: This was sort of an easy one. Um, This first song is uh, the Allman Brothers' Blue Sky um, that is incredibly well-known. This particular version was recorded at Stony Brook University in September of 71. Um, It was part of... um, It's part of an archival release from the Allman Brothers. Um, It's one of a small handful of live recordings of this song that the original six members of the Allman Brothers recorded. Um, This one, I think, speaks to to something that I really like about live music, that um, this particular version is twice as long as the studio version. Um, And I think what's cool about it is... They use the studio version as sort of the uh, the framework to go off and it sticks to the th- to the themes, um, but it is just extended and a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Let's play it. Here we go. If you are currently listening live, we can listen together, but if you're listening later in podcast format, I will be posting a playlist on abstract social media with all of the songs that I will play on today's episode, so definitely check it out if you're interested and give it a follow. It's at abstractpodcast, ab.stractpodcast all right we are back ross's first choice how do we do abby i loved it i love that recording so you're saying that that was longer than the original obviously by 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 almost twice so what is your like where do you think your fascination with live music sort of began
1: um i think it's songs like that i i was thinking about this the other day after you sent me your uh questions and talking points I think one of the things I find fascinating about live recordings and live music in general is that um, especially with improvisational music like that, the musicians are out there listening to, e- to each other you 're listening to a, a conversation just like we 're having, but musical there n- nothing is happening nobody's speaking it 's all happening by look and cues and movements. Um, and cues within the music um, and it's just it's the—it's risky
0: yeah I mean I think that's one of the elements to watching live music that I love the most there are a few live recorded versions of songs that I'll listen to that I actually do like more than the originals but I feel like I'm not as you know into that and I, I think it's so cool that that's like so niche for your interests like it's so specific, and I think that's probably why so many people enjoy your show so much, because it is very niche and very yeah. cool. So why do you think that people should perhaps listen to live recordings versus produced versions? Uh,
1: I don't know that there's a reason to listen to one or one over the other. Um, I enjoy the occasional studio version of, of tons of albums, um, but I always gravitate back to the to the live music, there's a, the spontaneity of it is always intriguing to me. Yeah. Because every live version is unique to that date, time, pers- person, time in that person's life. Um, it's It all makes it very unique, and each one is different.
0: Mm. I feel like one element to... I don't know, different types of produced versions of music. I always enjoyed listening to demos as well. Mm -hmm. That's like an aspect of things where I think sometimes with live performances, it can be similar in that sometimes artists will play certain things live a bit differently, obviously, than they... you know, sound on the produced versions. And I love listening to demos as well. Cause you'll get a sense of the progression of the song into the produced version. Yep. And sometimes artists will test out new songs and new material when they're live as well. So I think, um, at least in my brain, that could maybe be a little bit of an overlap there too. Yeah.
1: I think there's a, there's reason to listen to any music, but um, each one of those things is cool. You, if you listen to demos of famous songs, often, the demo versions are not quite the same as what got recorded, and it, the live versions wind up being an extension of both of those things, because they're, they're used as, especially in, a, in, a, in an improvisational sense, they're, they're used as a framework to kind of just explore.
0: Definitely. So not only do you have a fascination with live music, but you also are a photographer and you photograph some live music yes. events as well. Mm-hmm. So talk us through your photography experience and all of that. Oh,
1: gosh. Um, that happened almost exclusively because of where I'm s- more or less where I'm sitting right now. Um, we get the occasional um, inquiry from um, from PR reps for bands to go cover shows. Um, and in early 2016, I think it was. Uh, we had a band, uh, Lettuce, reached out to the station to ask somebody to, to co- come cover a show. And that included photography. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I did know someone with a DSLR camera. Um, and I, at I responded to the request. They gave me a photo pass. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, apart from a couple of blog articles. Um, And I jumped into the photo pit at Higher Ground and completely winged it. Um, I wasn't very good at it to begin with because I had no idea what I was doing. So I learned by doing. And it meant learning a lot, forgetting a lot, and then relearning a lot every single time I went out. Um, But I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm really grateful to the bands that have that have allowed me to keep going and doing that uh, for all this time to just to learn a craft
0: yeah, definitely. i didn't realize that that kind of all began within sort of the inspiration from your show mm-hmm. so that's very cool.
1: yeah um, it, it didn't necessarily uh, it wasn't a uh, planned thing. It was something that I just took a took a chance at. Um, and found out that I really enjoyed, uh, minus the fact that it was incredibly frustrating because I had no idea, no idea what I was doing. Um, and I happened to pick a very difficult way to learn to yeah. photography. Um, it's exactly the opposite of what m- the way that most people learn to do it. Um, usually people learn by trying to cut down the amount of light and shooting in the dark means you have to work completely to the opposite of that. Um, and everything's moving. You only get one shot. There's only one chance you don't get to go back and do any do overs. Um, it is kind of an extension of why I enjoy listening to live music too, is you only get those things once.
0: I like that perspective. I can totally relate to the whole camera work thing because I feel, I mean, you have, you've known me here working here at Big Happy World. Mm -hmm. And when I first started, I was put on the video team and it was quite literally the same experience where sometimes you just have to be thrown into the water and you have to start swimming, even Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to swim. And I feel like just cameras, a lot of the camera equipment is just so difficult to grasp and each camera is different. So it's, it's a big learning curve. So yeah. kudos there, to you for that.
1: There's, there's a lot to learn. Um, and I guess if you're not still learning, I'm still you know, learning how to, how to capture rooms differently. The now is I'm at a point where I try to challenge myself to, to do things differently than I ever have. Um, whether that's, you know, different placement, different uh, different angles, trying to think away from the things that, that are the things that I know how to do. Um, and I follow a bunch of other photographers to, to work out inspiration and different ways to do things.
0: If you had to sort of describe your style of photography, what would you kind of boil it down to?
1: Um, I've been told that in terms of my place in the the local music photographer scene, um, my photography tends to be more vibrant. Um, I like to try and uh, make things flashy. I want to make the a musician when you when you see a photo that I've taken. I want you to feel badass. Um, I don't always get there, but that's kind of what I shoot for. Um, V- something vibrant. Sometimes it winds up being a little bit overproduced, um, but I think that kind of has its place. There's a fine line there, but
0: definitely. Any like tips and tricks or advice for people that maybe want to start up photography and
1: don't start doing in con- doing it in concert photography. <laughs> it is the
0: start uh, smaller. It is
1: possibly the I could have I probably picked the absolute hardest way to learn how to use a camera. Um, but definitely go out and just shoot and play with it and understand and um, there learn, learn different ways to do it. Um, you know, Once, once you've kind of mastered the, the way that more or less the, the way that a camera works, you just keep shooting. You keep trying different things. Try different editing techniques. Um. All I'm, I'm always scouring Instagram and Facebook and groups like that to, to look for, inspiration. And it's just like anything else. You read about it, learn about it, go do it, and just work at it. Just do it.
0: Get out <laughs> it, there and do it, it.
1: it. It's a really weird, scary thing. But some, and it's it's weird to learn a thing like that without uh, being self-taught. Is strange because you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. and you can accidentally learn some bad habits. So um, there's a lot of learning and unlearning and relearning as you go along, but I think that's made me better.
0: Oh, definitely. I think any any self-improvement happens from self-awareness and sometimes you can't be aware unless you do kind of outsource and look for those resources. But I think anybody that takes the time to draw inspiration from others is one step ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, I I think it's the same as doing doing anything else is always looking for places to improve and things to do differently and drawing inspiration from other other people and other artists in any way.
0: Yeah, I agree. So do you have a song selection that's could we do one that's maybe related to your that photography is related to in related to my some photography, way. yes. Amazing. Um,
1: I did pick one that came from a show that I photographed. Um, this one comes from my first government mule photo shoot. Um, I can't tell you how nervous I was to go do... There's There's something different about going and pointing a camera or doing an interview with someone who is uh, famous. And there's different levels of, uh, just in terms of my music tastes, Warren Haynes and Government Mule are were, were and are one of my absolute favorites. Um, and I really wanted to do it justice. Um, so I was incredibly nervous. Um, this is the third song from, from that night in July of 2019 called, Stoop So Solo. Um, I tried to pick a song that, that I photographed that night. I can't tell you what photos from that night came from this song. <laughs> um, it's all kind of a blur when you're in a position like that to where you're capturing somebody who you s- sort of idolize. Um, but it's also, it also taught me a whole bunch about that process. Um, once you've done something that makes you that nervous, you're not really nervous anymore.
0: Definitely. How cool. I love it.
1: So here that is.
0: Awesome. Here we go. And we are back. So that was one that you loved photographing live and was someone that you looked up to and is famous. And yes. Did you have any imposter syndrome kind of starting Doing all of this photography, especially for um, people that you really—yeah, the the
1: couple of times that I've that I've photographed musicians and bands that I really really enjoy listening to, and they're um, bands that are widely known—I'm kind of like I don't know how I got here. Um, it, there's definitely those moments, but then I've kind of I've reframed those things in my mind for the most part. Um, to remind myself that those are just they're just musicians they're just doing something that they enjoy they don't care whether I'm there or not um, and as long as I'm doing my job then I what I consider my job which is take de- take good photos it doesn't matter who the person is
0: yeah I think too like just society and we as people put so much glorification on The just any type of media that we consume, whether that's music and the artists that we listen to, and we forget that they're people. Yeah. People behind the mics or behind the guitars.
1: That is definitely a thing I've learned in doing this. I've done a whole bunch of interviews where I've I've sat down with Warren Haynes a couple of times, um, and that's definitely a thing that I learned the first time that I sat down with him 10 years ago now was... Um, he's just a guy who enjoys music. He en- he enjoys music the same as you and I do, and he just wants to talk about it the same way as you and I do. And as soon as you recognize that musicians, regardless of how famous they are usually, um, are just people, it makes them a little easier to talk to and a little somewhat.
0: Yeah, I agree. So when you hear that song, are there certain... Feelings or memories that you sort of associate with that, just because of that particular oh, yeah. experience. yeah, the, the cold
1: sweats the when cold I sweats. when when I when I got the photo pass, which is actually on the front of my laptop. Oh, I love that. Um, I stick my photo passes to to my laptop until I ran out of space. Um, the the nerves that come from ha- going through that process. Part of it. Part of it is. Um, oh, my God, I hope I'm on the list. I hope that I'm not coming up here and having them go, who are you and why are you here? Um, And the next step is, oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this? And am I going to forget how to do everything? It's kind of the same as, I assume, going to play music yourself is the, oh, God, what am I doing here? How did I get here? I hope this goes okay. And... The way I figured it is that if I don't have the butterflies a little bit before I go jump into the photo pit anywhere for anything, then I'm not prepared enough.
0: 100%. And I think that there is an element of just faking it till you make it. And I think being nervous really just shows that you still have a certain humility about you, Mm -hmm. that you're still humble about what you're doing as well. Because I think as soon as you think that you know everything about anything, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And it is good to get more comfortable in whatever you're doing just so that you're not, you know, in cold sweat your entire life. But, yeah, I mean, I think the nerves are have always been a good thing for me, too.
1: Yeah. I, I, the way I figure it is as long as I can channel the nerves into focus, if I can get in a zone where the only thing I'm paying attention to is what's on the other end of the viewfinder, then everything is going to be fine. Um and i haven't had a moment or a time yet where i haven't been able to get into that zone so usually and you're a musician so you'll be a, you'll be able to know as soon as you start playing it all becomes natural mm-hmm. you you know where all the things are you you know how to do all the things but once you before you do that that's where the nerves are
0: i love how music we associate it with memories. I think that's so powerful mm-hmm. that we can hear a song and you're taken back to a time, like this one that we're talking about. I just find it so fascinating and I love asking people about certain songs that also really take them to, to a certain powerful time that they associate with a song. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. So just to kind of backtrack a little bit, so your background with radio as well, you have experience did you, like, study radio in college? Did I study it? Like, do radio it internships? N- I remember talking to yes. you early on about my beginnings in radio because I interned at a radio station. And you were giving insight about some of the beginnings of your experience there.
1: Yeah. I I was part of the radio club at, Ca- at Castleton State College. It was Castleton State College back when I was there. Um, my... I think my second semester all the way through the remainder of my college career. Um, and throughout that time, I did a whole bunch of radio production courses. Um, I did some radio production internships. Um, I've worked off and on in different parts of radio for what turns out to be almost half my life, which I don't know how that's happened, but, um, yeah, I've, I've done all the things. Um, I got bit by the radio bug and I, can't get rid of it
0: I love it so what are your sort of hopes for the future of both your show here and also what you would hope for the future of the radiator being the manager Um, I don't know that I have
1: real firm hopes for my particular radio show I just want to be able to keep doing it Um, I think I'm most grateful for the radiator because it gives me the opportunity to go to to come here and spend a few hours every week sharing the music that I enjoy Um, as far as the radiator goes um, I want to see us continue to flourish I think the the thing I'm most happy about is the fact that our schedule if everything goes right is full all week long Um, and I think what makes me the most happy about that is that um, there are people who are coming in here and learning how to in some way um learning how to do radio Um, and it's something that i really enjoy and being able to pass that on to other folks regardless of age or anything like that is really rewarding for me
0: i love that mentality the mentorship kind of of it all is yeah. really fulfilling, I'm sure. I mean, I can attest that this was my first exposure to radio, being here. So you exposed me to my first radio experience. So thank you for and, that.
1: And how has it been?
0: It's been so much fun. I mean, we just were talking off-air about how, you know, especially the radi- radiator allows people to really have a creative outlet on radio. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's so fun is that there are no limitations really only a few as to what you can do you can really be creative here so Mm -hmm. we get to have some really awesome shows and a lot of different people come in here
1: yeah i think we have a lot of freedom here um in terms of the, the fact that we're community radio and everything that we do is community produced means that we have almost complete freedom to play whatever music and talk about whatever topics that we want Um, and that's something that, as we were talking about off air, you don't get in commercial radio.
0: Mm -hmm. So in terms of your show specifically, did you ever feel like there was, or there has been a song that really resonated with your listeners? Oh yeah.
1: Um, this was actually a really easy choice for me. Um, the background on this one, uh, every year since I think the first year that I did a show in August, um. I've done an a annual tribute to Stevie Ray Vaughan um, and it just happened to be that the very first year that I was doing a show um, Saturday landed on the anniversary of his passing um, and it just seemed natural as a as a fan of his music I had to do it um, and I found um, that that was a time where a bunch of other people came on and have listened to it and we've been doing it for uh, now 14 years um, this particular song is one that it's called life without you um, and it's a song that that in, is pretty emotional in that it includes what I call a monologue in the middle of it um, and Stevie would use that as he got sober to talk to people about being good to one another and being good to yourself. Um, and this particular one comes from June of 1987. Um, and it's the first one that I found out really hit people. Um, <coughs> it, was, it was the first one that, that I found out made people cry. And it wasn't that wasn't the reason for it, um, but it it hit us all close. And it's it's a special one for me.
0: Amazing. Well, let's let's hear it. It's a little
1: long um, and we'll kind of have to bear bear through the actual song parts to hear Stevie speak. But um, here it is.
0: That was our final song of the show today. I can definitely see why that would resonate with your audiences for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, it, there, there's a whole bunch of them. And um, I've kind of tracked the I've um, transcribed them all and I've read them um, and they get better to me and more focused and more thoughtful the, f- the further Stevie got into sobriety.
0: Mm, Yeah. I mean, I think his spoken word in there too really resonated with me taking a moment to, you know, after singing and performing to then be speaking a very powerful message out to the audience. Mm -hmm. Well, Ross, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me, Abby. This is really fun.
0: I really appreciated you being here and always love chatting with you. So we hope to maybe see you again in the future.
1: Uh, Anytime I have a Thursday off, I am fair game to come hang out with you.
0: You're here to share your abstract ideas. And everybody, make sure to also take a listen to Ross's show and follow Ross's podcast. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to episode three of Abstract. If you liked what you heard today and are interested in hearing more, you can tune in live next week and every week from now on on Thursdays, typically from 5 to 6 p.m. Today was the only little fluke in that, in that schedule. Also, you can follow along on Abstract's social media where I'll be posting updates and content about upcoming guests, show playlists, and more. So go give it a follow. Next episode, I'll be bringing on another special guest, interviewing them and discussing their creative abstract ideas. Once again, thank you so much for tuning into Abstract, a show dedicated to abstract ideas discussed amidst ever-changing tunes here on The Radiator or on your listening platform. I'm your host, Abby BK, and I hope you have a wonderful day or night. We'll see you next episode.